Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls, episode 114. It's been a while, Dan, but I'm super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, we're a couple days away between being able to add another name on top of that, and I'm not, for our loyalist of loyal listeners, they're going to know what we're talking about, but we'll keep it at that between you and I here. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I could use some help on the co-host styles here. Uh, I'm out of practice, clearly. Headphones going in and out. Uh, as soon as we click record, internet goes to, to crud. I'm talking in the count during the countdown clock. So, like, it, I could use a little bit of a break. I'm getting worn down, maybe. You know, we're 114 into this thing. I could use I could use another person here to, to help me, you know, things we, we – Phoebe's not around anymore. Things don't run as smoothly. Um, so, so, yeah, we're both busy all of a sudden. I guess we have lives. Yeah. It's been weird. It's been weird. Uh, I think there's a couple things that the that the doctor will order for the podcast. A little bit more in-person stuff would definitely be exactly what the doctor ordered. And then and then getting our good friend back on here and, and getting some accountability on our end. Somebody with a little bit more juice and excitement who hasn't done it for a couple of months might might be what we need to, to motivate us to get on here and, and start to get get back going but obviously we're sitting here on september 28th of the 2023 season we're entering the last weekend of the season the playoff pictures are starting to take some pretty good shape right now at least from my perspective i know there's some outlasting uh races that have to be completed here including both wild cards some division races here and there um but they're they're pretty close to coming down to the wire teams are going to start getting eliminated over the next couple days 
But as it stands right now, uh, we have a pretty good sense of what the playoff picture is. But Dan, as we look back on this 2023 season, I mean, I feel like I, I look back at every baseball season and it's just unbelievable how long the season is. Like I, let alone being a fan is a grind, let alone, I couldn't imagine playing it, but like, we get so excited March, April, we're fired up, we're on here once a week, you know, nitpicking everything that happens and, and what's going on with this team and what's going on with that team. And then we get to September and it's like, bro, I don't even know if I have anything to say at this point, but we're finally getting to that point. But as we look back at this season, what are what are kind of your initial thoughts? What defines the 2023 season? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think just real quick that, being a baseball fan takes a certain type of person because it's so long. Um, and I know every year, I don't think he'll mind me saying this. I think every year I have to reteach my brother how to be a baseball fan. Cause it's like two weeks into the season, Phil's aren't playing well. And it's like six months, man, six months. You know, I can remember not only him, several other people, like the second week of the season, why, why is topper not keeping a consistent lineup and this and that it's like, they have to play 162 of these bad boys. Like you, you need these guys fresh late in the year. Um, so people always have to readjust. But for those of us who love, I love the fact that it's six months. I think the beauty of baseball is the fact that it's like a com- companion for six months. Like I, I know my favorite team is going to be in the playoffs. I can't wait for playoff baseball. Just watching all those games, how intense it is. The environments, um, except for maybe in St. Pete, we'll see what they draw. The environments are always great. And it's a lot of fun, but I will miss regular season baseball. Like to me, my favorite part about I'm a regular season sports fan. I think Trevor knows this about me. There's not a sport in the world where I prefer playoffs over the regular season. I know that may be a weird take, but I love I love a Tuesday night when there's 15 Major League Baseball games on. Um, So it's always bittersweet this time of year for me. Uh, I will now answer your question. Like I said, I'm out of practice. I think what to me, you can't talk about this year without the rule changes I think for me just the fact that you know Ronald Acuna would have stole a probably a ridiculous amount of bases if he had stayed healthy whether the rules change or not but I think him getting to 70 was boosted by that I think the pitch clock the the timing of the game and from a a pure fan perspective the fact these games are two and a half hours now made it easier for me to consume even more games this year um, and not be like it's 11 o'clock and we're in the seventh inning and I have work tomorrow like no games are over at 9 30 um I think it helped attendance tremendously because you can bring your kids even when school's in session or if they're younger and you can get them home and get them to bed. Um, so I think for me, the rule changes. Now, the shift thing, I haven't noticed it since spring training. I don't know how you feel about that, but I haven't noticed the shifts in spring training. But I think for me, the, like you can't talk about this year without the rules. And, and I mean, there's storylines everywhere you look. And that's another unique part of the season is like there's a story. There's storylines in April, May, June, July, August, September. And then obviously some carry throughout the season, like the Braves offense um, and what Shohei was doing until he got hurt. But like another minor headline as we got later into the summer that we talked about was like the Angels just blowing up. Uh, The Padres who are still trying to backdoor their way. (laughs) They're like cockroaches, dude. They just won't die. I've been sitting here since July. Like, all right, it's over. And here we are, September 28th. And it's like, there's a path for the Padres to still get in. And they're still the best team out of the groups, the teams that have a chance. Yeah, that cluster of teams in the NL that won't make up their mind. Like the Padres are still the most talented team sitting there waiting to, uh, you know, they need four teams to lose out and for them to win out here over the last, whatever, three games. But, yeah, it's been another fun baseball season, man. It's awesome. And 
I think as a collective whole, we can only hope that the Atlanta Braves don't win the World Series. Everybody's tired of, of Georgia sports dominating. Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to kind of go off of uh, off of what you said there with the with the season, and and just not take the the layup of the of the Georgia sports comment right into our next section. But um, you know, with the the viewing experiences, because I'm somebody who I'll sit on here and say that baseball's boring at times. I'll tell everybody who asks, like people are like, ah, I never get into baseball, and usually my response is, yeah, it's boring, isn't it? And they'll be like it's weird coming from a baseball guy. Like it's like, usually it comes after they, them knowing that I've played my whole life and, and obviously coached. And it's very interesting to, to kind of look back and, and say like, it is, it is boring. The viewing experience this year was top notch in, in comparison to what it, what it was in the past and, and just like slow games. And I know there's probably outside things that probably might've caused more injuries because of the pitch clock. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to be concrete evidence, but there was definitely something to be said about pitchers having to, you know, go max effort every, you know, 20 seconds as in, you know, in comparison to every 35 and then times that by a hundred times. Yeah. Your, your muscles aren't going to be able to, and your joints aren't going to be able to hold that much force consistently. So there's definitely probably something to be said for that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's just something that's, that's been exciting. It's been easier to watch the base stealing things. I wonder how much that actually, we talked about this many times throughout the year. How much did that actually have to do with the rule changes itself or just a mindset shift? I still feel like Ronald Acuna in the past, could have stolen 70 bases or at least 60 bases if he really wanted to. I think he just got to the point this year where it was a matter of he just wanted to really bad. Once he started to having that good first half with it, um, he just kept rolling. So it was something that's super cool to see a 40, 70 season. I definitely think there will be questions about how legitimate, like maybe in 2029, we don't view 70, still 40, 70 as impressive as we do in 2023, but that doesn't shortchange what he's accomplished for this calendar year. And that's been super cool to see. And, and you're right about the shift. Haven't really noticed it. Seeing a couple guys hit near 350s, cool. You know, the yeah. Seegers, the Arias, Freeman was obviously up there for a while. I think Mookie, seeing left-handed Acuna. hitters, yeah, Acuna, seeing left-handed hitters specifically be able to to sniff a couple knocks there. Don't know exactly how many hits were gained from not having the shift versus versus having it. I'm sure there's going to be somebody this offseason that will be able to pull that together and find that information out. But, I mean, Corey Seager was the prototypical. He lost 42 hits last year and hit 280. It was like, well, if he gets 42 more hits this year, he's probably talking about a, a 350 hitter, right? And he not, not to mention the fact that he hit 30 bombs on top of that. So, yeah, I mean, it was a super enjoyable season to say the least. And, and obviously we still got meaningful baseball. Um, the expanded playoff has kind of been eh for me right now is, is, is looking at it. I'm, I'm glad baseball games still matter, but I just feel like, and maybe this is my college football brain kicking in of like the Cubs, Marlins, Reds, Padres still being involved. Just, it's just like, eh, eh, like to me, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, that doesn't excite me. Sure. The AL's a little bit prettier in terms of those teams that are getting in and, and have a shot to get in, but it just, those three teams at the end of the NL just don't get my juices flowing for, for optimism for, for if any of them get in. I just think, I, I don't think it bothers me. I don't think it bothers me. You know, I don't think I have a take one way or the other. I like it just because of the fact that, like you said, it's still a jumbled mess. I mean, the AL is a mess. I mean, you're talking about like there's two divisions still up for grabs. There's three play or I guess two playoff um, 
two wild cards still up for grabs. So it's still it's you know it's fun in that sense, and I kind of like it. And like you said, those teams are probably better than that cluster in the NL. But th- would you be saying that if the Mets and the Padres were played to their capability and they were the ones battling it out? You know what I mean? Like the reason that it's those teams that you're not excited about um, is because it's some of the, teams of the underperforming teams. Yeah, in the like, yeah, one hundred percent. You're right. The NL right. just didn't yeah. show up. Like. The Mets had the, you know, 404, I read an article in The Athletic, the $445 million Mets and what went wrong. And it's like, that's, they put that payroll together. The Padres are, we've talked about all year long since April. We sat here, you and I, and we're like, they're going to be fine. And, and then by July, we were like, they stink. Um, And so if those teams performed the way they were supposed to, or everyone thought they were going to, you'd like that playoff picture a little bit more. 100%. Be talking about, I mean, and it's, for me, I kind of like the fact that Cincinnati and Arizona are involved just because it's it's new, it's exciting, it's fresh. So, um, But, yeah, I, I think just real quick to go back a couple minutes ago, you mentioned the pitching and the injuries, and, and it's so hard to quantify pitching injuries because they happen every year, and there's no one. Like, if anyone can ever come out with something that I trust that's like, this is what leads to pitching injuries, like, you, you deserve to be – like the commissioner of baseball or something, because it's just like, we say it all the time on here, especially when we talk player development and around the draft, like they're so volatile. Like Mm -hmm. you just don't know, like not only their performance and what they're going to turn into as prospects or or what they're going to look like when they get to the big leagues, but like one pitch, who knows what caused it. They slept on their, they slept on their right arm last night and it was asleep when they woke up. And so the blood wasn't flowing. Right. So the UCL became exposed. Like that can happen in pitching. So it's, it's so I, you know, I, I don't know if, if, like you said, I don't know if you can even point to that. I mean, potentially, right. You would think like, Oh, we're going max effort every 15 seconds, 20 seconds. And, and we, you know, if you were do that a hundred times, I mean, think right. about that in the weight room. Like you're right. do, imagine doing like jump squats with a, with a load bearing jump squat and, and imagine your knees and doing that every 15 second, one rep as high as you can. Times. And then doing it a hundred times and it's like, yeah. and then doing it every five days, it's like that person would be deemed a maniac at the first right. juncture. Like imagine going to right. the gym and be like, there's that guy who's doing jump squats again. He's doing a hundred jump squats freaking with a 15 weird. second break. And if, reps in, of between, one. <laughs> in between, you know, the 20 and 30 that he throws, he also takes eight warm up jump squats at 95 After sitting for two and a half minutes yeah, or 10 minutes. <laughs> He's in the gym for three hours. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like the concept of that wouldn't change if it was 30 seconds between those jump squats anyway. I mean, maybe once you get a little bit more fatigued, like let's say, you know, like you you throw a couple back to back to back to back, that's when I think your muscles can be even – or your your ligaments and your muscles and everything can be even more exposed is when you you start to combine the fatigue element and not having that that opportunity like – Everybody for three pitches can go 15 seconds between what happens on that fifth pitch when you want that 30-second rest, when we all take that step off the back of the mound and go, okay, let's get back to what we were doing, right? Yeah, you know, you like that, that. that's that's the one that probably sets guys off, and you probably have those four or five times a game, and, an outing. And I, th- and I think more so injuries, I think you could point to the pitch clock inflated some ERAs. Without question. I think in April, especially, you could feel some of these guys like, you know, they've, they've, you know, kind of leveled off now as as people have gotten used to it. But I remember early in the year, it was like innings would just snowball on guys because they used to like 
you know, because I mean, I used to teach my guys this and, and like take when, when it starts to get, when you start to get in trouble, take a breath, take a second, reset your focus. You can start to milk it a little bit because you got to dig deep to pitch out of the situations. And they were trying to adjust to a 15 second clock innings would snowball a little bit. So I think it maybe you know, hurt some ERAs more so than, than putting guys on the IL. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of time to to look into to how the rule change. Like I said, somebody's going to come out with the steel difference. And All kinds of like stuff, I said, yeah. the steels probably came down more to mentality shift. But let's go through the, the standings as they are right now. I think the, the National League has a little bit more of a clearer picture. The Braves obviously have run away with the East, even though they haven't played their best baseball over the last couple of weeks. They're sitting at 102 wins. Um, but everybody thought they were going to go for 110 at, at the rate that they were at in the um, the Brewers have clinched the Central. Dodgers have clinched the West. Shocker. Sounds like we've heard that one before. Phillies have about a seven-game lead up on the wild card for the top wild card spot. So they're sitting pretty comfortably there to host the first wild card that. series. Yeah. yeah, did they clinch that? Perfect. Yeah. So the Diamondbacks are currently sitting a game and a half up on the for the second spot. Um, and then where it gets a little weird in the National League is the Cubs and Marlins are tied for the third wild card spot while the Marlins own the head to head tiebreaker. And then Cincinnati sits a game and a half back. And then those pesty little Padres are sitting three and a half back where if everybody loses this weekend and they sweep the Chicago White Sox, they have a shot. Right. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I, I will be. I will be beside myself if that team gets in. They don't deserve to get in. Nothing they've no. done. This was like this is the kid in class who got straight A's, but never like you know. I wasn't the smartest person in the world, so like I would have to exert effort if I really wanted to get a good grade. And there was always kids, you know, especially in high school, where it was like, man, I got to study. They wait till the last minute to do whatever it was, and they'd still get the A in class. That's the Padres. Like you guys were terrible for five months. Some of these teams have been scratching, crawling over you know, overcoming adversity all season long to to secure a playoff spot. And here you guys come the last three weeks of September because those teams just weren't talented enough to lock it up and knock you yeah. out. You guys are like, oh, we'll start playing good now. They just won they won their first extra innings game game in extra innings last night, September twenty seventh. Yeah. They're one in twelve in extra innings. Like they haven't done anything. Like they, and here they are. Like they're not I don't think it's gonna happen. The odds of the Cubs, Diamondbacks Marlins and Reds. That's four teams that have to lose out. The Padres have to win out for them to get in. I really like. There's no way, right? There's <laughs> Tell no me way. There's no way. Make that. There's no way. <laughs> but I will say, like that team is like Soto seems to be playing his best ball right now. Like up to 35 homers, which is a career high. Like he's been just good. He's casually. been good for a while now. He has he's been, been like a one guy. In August. Yeah, yeah, he slumped but. in August, and then he's he's really picked it back up recently. Tatis has been playing well. I mean, he went 25-25-25 in homer steals and defensive run save. Guy just transitioned to right field, um, which is – I always I used to say it's not hard to there. play. What? I like new metrics, but there's no like 25-25-25. It's just like, kind of one of those – it's, it's something I saw, and I thought it was kind of cool because he this is his first season playing right field full-time, and he went 25 defensive run save, which is like – we're talking about Kevin Kiermaier level, like kind of, kind of getting after I, it out there. I don't want to keep picking on him. No, I do. You're a shortstop. Like we've all sat there at every level and been like, "Well, your shortstop should be a, a plus plus defender at any outfield." Well, like in the yeah. corner <laughs> outfield, throwing a shortstop out there. 
I'd hope I'd so. I'll just say this. My only opposition to that is as an outfielder, I always bang on the table if anybody can play a corner outfield spot. Like I, I'd stick anybody out there. Like it's like, catch the ball, get it in. Like that's it. Like you're not throwing anybody out. That's the most overrated thing in, in baseball is anybody who thinks, oh, that guy's got a strong arm. It doesn't matter. Nobody gets thrown out at the at the levels that matter. Like it's once every week maybe you have a, a bang bang play where a right fielder makes a good good throw and gets a guy. It's catch the ball, get it in, and rake. That's all you have to do. And if you're decently athletic, like there's so many people out there, especially at the youth levels that overcomplicate outfield play. And it's like your footwork and, and this and that it's like, dude, go run to where you think the, yeah, go run to where you think the ball's going to be, catch it and throw it in every time. And you're going to be all right. And Tatis just proved that it's like, if you have an athletic kid who can run down a fly ball, like just stick him in the outfield. If you think his bat's going to play, stop, stop worrying about if he was going to, Oh, well, he's our backup shortstop and we want him to get, no, well, like the guy's, stick a, him guy's out a big league shortstop. Of course he goes yeah. out to right field and is like the best defensive stop. right fielder. Guy wasn't a bad big league shortstop. No, he's a stop. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, off yeah. the Padres, the fact that we're still talking about the Padres <laughs> on September 28th in a, in a season that, that they've absolutely plummeted and, and it seems Just like they're going to make some food. Moves. Yeah, and make some moves this offseason as well. Let's go to the American League here. Baltimore currently is one game away from clinching the East. Obviously, that's been a, a super fun story this whole season. Minnesota clinched the worst division in baseball um, by clinching the AL Central. Texas is hanging on to a two-and-a-half game lead over Houston in the AL West with four games this weekend against the Mariners. They're probably getting ready to kick off game one as we speak. Tampa Bay has the top wild card spot pretty much secured. Um, if they don't run down Baltimore, it looks like they're going to be hosting the second wild card spot. Toronto sits a, a half a game up on the Astros, and this is where it gets weird. Toronto sitting in that second wild card spot with a half game lead over the Astros. The Astros sit in the third wild card spot with a game and a half lead on the Mariners, and both the Mariners and Houston are still in play for the AL West. So that one's a pretty big jumbled mess. It seems like if Texas can hang on and really take one or two from the Mariners, they're going to be in a good position to get the bye and not have to play in the wild card round. But that third wild card spot with Toronto still kind of hanging on by a thread there uh, because they're only sitting two games up of the Mariners right now. That could be a fun weekend and we could kind of see something different because like you said about the NL where my complaints were, the AL is completely stocked and loaded, right? All these teams are playoff caliber teams. You wouldn't surprise me if the Mariners were sitting there in, in, in late October and early November playing for a World Series. So each and every one of these teams has the chance to win in the playoffs. But as we stand right now, there's still a couple spots open and, and some couple divisions that haven't been claimed. Yeah, first things first. Uh to all of our listeners, pull out your, your 2023 bingo cards. Anybody that had the Tigers in second in the AL Central this late into the year, uh, <laughs> mark that one off. Uh, who would have saw that? Remember, like that remember, that. we're going to – we're going to do a fun segment at the end here, but but again, I feel like one of the things Remember about – Remember when I talked both of us into the Tigers? If that's what you're going to say, That's what I was just yes. about to say. 
Remember yes. when we like literally talked ourselves into the Tigers being like, ah, I can see it. I can They're see it being good. I still like. I still feel that way about them. Like I'm like, yeah, I, I really do like Harry Carpenter. I really, really like, like their him. roster. Torkelson yeah. had a good year. Like, Great year. Yeah, the division it. sucks, but Kareem <laughs> like, uh, is a legit. He's really good. Yeah. guy. If Casey 100%. Mize comes back from the dead, like. Anyway, we don't need to spend this time talking about the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, this is the AL is more fun. Also, on your bingo cards, if you had two AL East 100 game winners and they were the Rays and Orioles, good for you. Because I think some people would have said the Rays would be in that mix, but uh, I don't think the Orioles. Maybe I mean, I, I mean the thing with the Rays, and I put my mic down there to to take a sip of water, but I'm going to cut in here. The thing with the Rays is. Remember what we thought of this? Like they had that great, obviously, start to the year and everything. It was like, and pitching wise, obviously, they had their injuries. But Glassnow wasn't healthy. There was question marks about Springs. Yandy Diaz, nobody knew he was going to hit twenty home runs. R.I.P. Wander Franco took a step. This is forward, what they do, right? and started to provide. It is what they do. Josh Lowe came out of absolutely nowhere, right? Like. They pieced this roster together that if you told me in April that you genuinely felt like this team was going to sniff 100 games, I would tell you you're crazy, right? Like, And especially if you told me Springs got hurt. And who else got hurt? Um, Drew Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen got Shane hurt. McClanahan. Shane McClanahan got hurt. Wander like, if Franco's you told in me, the Dominican oh, I'd be like, prison. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Frank Franco's playing in the penal league right now. Um, <laughs> so With my NL Cy Young pick, so it's okay. Those penal league starting good. to put together a rotation, but we're, well, that's, people that, forget that's they an one of the best season. closers that we've seen. Felipe Vasquez from the left side on that team is nasty. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk about them going into next year. Oh, with Roberto's Ozuna set. They got they got bullpen. They got the star power. They have an ace. That league, man. <laughs> Oh, you, watch out next year. They're, 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 yeah. My team to surprises that penal that correctional facility <laughs> squad. The ex, the expansion to the correctional facility. That's what the MLB expansion <laughs> team is. Um, but yeah, it's like I the mean, longest if, yard. If you told me like if you told me that team was going to sniff a hundred wins, like I tell you, you are nuts, nuts. Even before the injuries, right? Like I, I get yeah. it. When you look at Shane McClanahan, Rasmussen, Eflin, obviously everybody knew that the Rays were going to figure something out. Springs, you could convince me it was going to be a stud. It's like they patchworked their way through this season and they're it's sitting incre- here getting ready to run down the Orioles in the last weekend, which they're not going to, but it's their, they have a chance to. Yeah, that four-game series they had won the first two and tied it back up and then dropped the last two kind of was a nail in the coffin a couple weekends ago. But I I, I think what's amazing, too, about the Rays – and it's just so Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and I was having this conversation with my brother. Like, if this was any other club who had overcome – like, let's just put this into perspective. Could you imagine if Aaron Judge – we won't say gets arrested, but leaves the Yankees for the entire year. Garrett Cole, and I guess Montas they didn't have, Nestor Cortez, and Carlos Rodome were all just done for the year, and one other of their pitchers yeah, was on and off the IL. Pretty much what happened the to the Yankees. that they would yeah. be getting for having 97 wins right now. 100%. Like, yeah. Jose Siri is playing great baseball, and that would be like Harrison 100%. Bader running around there playing all-star level baseball. Like, you would not – it would be insufferable to hear about yeah. the Yankees – 
And like everyone's just like, oh, the Rays have 97 wins. Yeah, that checks. And it's like – Seriously. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's literally take what happened to the Yankees that have cratered their season, right? They're going to finish above 500. They're still a talented team, yada, yada, yada. And take Garrett Cole out of the mix and then still go win 97. And take like, Judge out. I mean I know Judge missed yeah, time, but take Judge out for like the take, whole second half. Just gone. Yeah, right. Exactly. And yeah, no your superstar is gone. Yeah. Like, Even though some rate some rays I'm in the depths of my for you page is in the depths, but some some Ray's Instagram account posted that they got insider knowledge that Wander Franco would be back for the playoffs. I was like, that's dude, that. I don't know, man. That's the same Twitter page that's talking about how Justin Fields is like, Yeah, stop. There's too many like these fan accounts are ridiculous. But that um like th- think about what the like do do this exercise with the Braves or something. Or, or any yeah. of these teams. Like, it's just any like you would be – everyone would be talking about them on a daily basis in the Rays. It's like the biggest news that I've heard about the Rays in the last month is the fact that we're finally getting out of the trop, which I would credit yeah, me. Which is great. People of yeah. St. Petersburg because I feel like since the offseason – I mean, MLB dictator, I think I was given the Rays a new stadium. Yeah, you did. Yep. So, I, I it's – like, that is – it's incredible what they do, and that's why I'm a fan of the Rays. I really like that, that team. I mean – and. Common arrow comes up, nineteen year old, and and clobbers that ball. Bossel Bay oh is, is is a good player, and Basabe is a good player, and I, it's just what they do is a factor. But it's interesting here because I, you know, some of these teams have been a little disappointing, which is why I think you have the cluster. Like I, I, I would have thought Toronto. Like if you had told me that Toronto was one of these teams in the East, Baltimore, Tampa, I would have believed you just because of the talent of the roster. I like their pitching and. Unfortunately, Seattle's kind of leveled off here in September, but and the Rangers <clears throat> kind of collapsed a little bit. But and then add on, you know, and then the sprinkles onto this this kind of mess of a Sunday that we have going here is the fact that the Astros had World Series hangover a little bit between guys on the IL and guys just not performing to their capabilities, and you know some of the things that have gone on down there in Houston this year. Because I mean, to look up this late in the year and see Houston have eighty seven wins, like. In the past four years, that it was, I'd tell you, yeah, it was since the 10th. Tw- yeah. Mm-hmm. Since 2017, that's like, whoa, what's going on, right? Like it's wins. it's like, unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that the difference between the American League and the National League as it stands right now in terms of excitement is the teams that, like, the best teams in the NL were the best teams. Like, yeah. blanket. I know the Padres and the Mets struggle, but. The Braves ran away with it. The Brewers have been really good since they got their pitching staff back, which everybody with a with a pulse under, should Just have understood. Um, the Dodgers have been really good. The Phillies have been really good. It's that back end of the playoff push that you're like, yeah, they're not really good. Yeah, the Diamondbacks but are in, early. The Cubs are early. Yeah, and the, the American League, those teams at the top are the feel good stories. The Baltimore's, Tampa, Texas, Minnesota, like those guys, those teams that have already clinched. The teams fighting for it are the ones that were, oh, Toronto might not get in. That team's really good. Houston might not get in. They're the reigning World Series champs. Mariners was everybody's darling after breaking that playoff drought. It's like, it makes the excitement a little bit more when it's like talent sure. rosters like that and teams that you can like. I just don't see the National League representative that fills in that third wild card spot making the World Series. I could very well be wrong, but I just don't see it happening. I could see it happening in the American League. If you told me Toronto filled in as that third wild card, they could easily go to Minnesota and just well, and walk. that's <laughs> and and when you look at it, right? You know, you and I, if you if you believe what you and I believe about playoff baseball and how it's different from the regular season, right? Like two starting pitchers, guys who can leave the yard throughout your lineup at any moment to swing the momentum of a game and bullpen that has stuff. 
right? Because it's not like you even need necessarily lockdown relievers all the time. You need guys with stuff that can go on a month run where they're just really mm-hmm. good and get outs. And like Arizona doesn't quite have that. Cincinnati doesn't quite have that. We all know the Marlins don't, I mean, they don't believe in hitting home runs. So like you, you don't feel that, right? Like the Phillies get in as the six, they backdoor their way in last year. And it was like, yeah, yeah well, they, they went to the world's, they had two starting pitchers. They had guys in the, they had four relievers that had good stuff in the bullpen and their lineup is filled with guys like Schwarber, Harper, and Real Muto, like guys who can leave the yard at any moment. So it was believable. And the Braves in 2021, same, same deal. It's like, oh yeah, like those guys, any of those guys can do it. And then to your point this year in the AL, like it's like, yeah, I mean, Toronto, they have two, you know, they have at least two really good starters. I mean, Galsman should be a little bit more in the Scion conversation than he is. And, you know, Vlad, Bichette, like all those, like they can jump ship at any moment. And then yeah. they got some guys in the bullpen who have good stuff. I mean, here's, is Jordan Hicks healthy? Is he healthy again? I mean, but if Jordan Hicks is healthy, it's like here comes 105 in the seventh yeah, inning. Yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, they upset some getting teams. on you, right? Right. Like you can, you, yeah. you can absolutely – and obviously we know about Houston. They they just won the World Series with pretty much that same mm-hmm. team. So, of course, they can go back. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, and the playoffs are going to be really fun. But but first, Dan, let, let's talk about our sponsors over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports, games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners $20 off. That's right. $20 off their first purchase. All they have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get that $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first ticket. We got playoff baseball coming up. We got college football season in full swing. Get those $20 off. You can head out to Citizens Bank Park. You can head out to all these beautiful stadiums across the country, as well as these campuses across the country and watch some good sporting events with our our friends over at SeatGeek. So make sure you're supporting the pod so that we can keep doing this and keep growing the pod as much as possible. So Dan, I'm going to ask you this question before we talk about the matchups as they stand right now, because you brought it up when you mentioned the Phillies and, and being that team. Who's the one team? Like, think about what we thought about the Phillies. Remember, like, the Cardinals were kind of this cute story last year. Everybody loved them um, because they were kind of doing some things in an, in an old school way. But we kind of sat here and said that, the, well, the Phillies have a chance to knock off the Cardinals. Remember, like, like looking back at it now, we're like, it, it was a no doubter. Like, they were the better team at the end of the day. Like, now, and now we see that we're in a year revisionist history here. And the, we look at the Phillies completely different, right? And if we tried to went back a year, I don't think we would talk about the Phillies the way that we talk about the Phillies now. Obviously, the offseason additions make a big piece of that. But who's the one team as it stands right now that we're not talking about in the way that we could be talking about in a year because they make a deep run, they go and dominate the next year? I know the Phillies aren't in a, a, a winning the division, but they still played, had a really good year, right? They were in the best division. They were, yeah, they were behind the Braves who were the best team in baseball history. It felt like for long stretches of time, who's the one team that you think could be that Philadelphia Phillies run um, and Cinderella story into that we're talking about in 2024. I was going to tell you, this is a hard question, but obviously it's a hard question because you're asking for a team that people don't expect to go on a run. So (laughs) it makes sense. Um, I feel like there's a couple ways I could go go with this because fitting the criteria that we just kind of talked about would be kind of like the Rangers or the Blue Jays, like we said, right? 
especially if Scherzer comes back healthy. And if they had had DeGrom, you would really be saying like, well, you got to go through Scherzer and DeGrom. That lineup obviously mashes Seager, Simeon, Garcia. Um, if Young was healthy. But I'm going to go elsewhere because that feels kind of easy. And we've talked about Toronto a lot. The Brewers have three guys that I don't know if in a short series I would ever want to face. Like no. If, if, if you can line – like if, if you're talking about Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta – and then, it, and like An you never arsenal, know, like the offense. Yeah, arms. like I don't know where they're going to get the offense from because I don't like their lineup. I really don't. But like, just from a pitching standpoint, like my goodness, like good luck to whoever does backdoor into that six seed in the NL wild card because like you're going to get Burns and then Woodruff and then oh hey all oh, the Dodgers get the the bro- well, they're going to run Freddie Peralta out there Peralta. in game one. He's been the best pitcher in baseball since the All Star break. And if they had just swept, then you get Peralta in game one, Burns in game two, and Woodruff in game three. <laughs> like it's like, oh, I, I mean, so for me, it, it's it's Milwaukee. I think I don't know what would happen in a seven game series. I don't know if they have the offense, but when you look at the NL picture, I think they're every team. I'm going to say something really homer here, but it's just it's because I know their roster the best. Every team outside of the Phillies and Brewers, I feel like, have so many question marks on the mound. And I wouldn't say that about the Braves necessarily, but you got Charlie Morton's out for the DS completely, and you got Max Fried with a blister who's going to go two and a half weeks between outings before he gets on a mound in the DS. So that leaves you with one guy. And everyone else in that, like the Dodgers have Kershaw, and no Walker Bueller, no Urias. They're going to patchwork it. That's what they do, and I know they do it well. But Bobby Miller's a rookie. Pepio's a young guy. So for me, it's the Brewers. I'm 100% with you. And, and uh, again, we, this is probably why our podcast doesn't do numbers quite like it should for the information that fans are getting is because we don't sit on here and yell. But that's where I was hoping you were going because that's exactly where my head was going after I asked the question. So, okay, what am I going to say when, when this thing kicks back to me? And I'll even tell you, man, I <laughs> – Christian Yelich, one. William Contreras, who's been great this year, two. Carlos Santana, three. Mark Canna, four. Willie Adamas, five. Rowdy Tellez, six. Donaldson, seven. Terang, eight. Garrett Mitchell, nine. I'm not saying this is murderer's row. I'm not saying it's the Phillies lineup by any stretch. But it's good enough to do a couple things. Those guys all get on base. They can all challenge the yard. They can all impact the game in a di- in a couple different ways. Some of those guys can steal bases. Yelich isn't the power guy he was when he was winning MVPs. But if he gets on base, swipe second. William Contreras has been great this year. Um, would I be surprised if if they patchwork their way and and have a nice little platoon going into the NLCS and and are pushing somebody with that rotation and that bullpen that bullpen's the one that really puts the icing on the cake to me of like if you get this bullpen lined up and straightened out and and you know burns six Havner Uribe one and just like pellets coming out of these arms everybody in that bullpen throws a hundred plus and the only guy who doesn't is Devin Williams who throws the airbender change up that I'm convinced he could tell the world it was coming and people still wouldn't, wouldn't hit it and it's just like I wouldn't be shocked, right? If they if they made some noise here, if they knocked off a team like the Dodgers that you wouldn't expect them to knock off, would not be shocked one bit. I think this team is very talented. They're very good. I think they have a phenomenal manager. I think he's going to push the right buttons. He's going to when every time that bullpen door swings open, you know he's bringing in somebody that's going to be able to get outs at a high level. And and I, again, I just think this lineup like. 
we talked about it in the beginning of the season, name value, they don't do anything very well, but they identify market inefficiency in guys that just hit the ball hard. Every guy in that lineup, one through nine, can hit the ball hard. The guys that can't can run really fast, so they can impact the game in different ways. And they're going to play next defense. Thing you know, and they're going to play defense. They're going to play elite defense from those guys too. And it's like you just you can talk yourself into into a pretty darn good you know team in a five game setting. I just I truly do believe that, and and I truly think that it's something that. I wouldn't be shocked if if they played really good baseball here. I think as as baseball fans, everyone should be rooting for chalk in the NL in that wild card round because you want to see the Phillies and Braves. I think for sure. Oh yeah, and you know I think they played they played thirteen times this year. I think five of them went to extra innings. Um, Braves went four and one in those games. Like they they play tight all year, and obviously everyone remembers last year. Phillies knocked them out, and then you want you want to see the Brewers and Dodgers, and then like from there it's like. You, you don't you win win in the CSs like if you get, if that's what your NLDSs look like you're gonna have a like storyline on storyline on storyline in your NLCS matchups um, whether it's Dodgers Braves whether it's you know any which way um, real quick question for you and we don't have to get into a discussion about this we can talk about it more in the off season so we saw uh, David Stern David Stearns right is that his name mm-hmm. I'm thinking the and old NBA commissioner was David Stern. Um, Gets plucked yeah, by the Mets confused too, because the Brewers, you know how the Brewers are a small market team. Craig Council, he, he doesn't have a, a contract for next year. Is he back with the Brewers next year? My gut tells me no, um, but it's a shame if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah, I I, I think that the Mets couldn't offer him something that. Oh, you think? Oh, you think the Mets are going to get both? Yeah, well, I, that's that's the only way I think he leaves the Brewers, in my opinion, is if if New York comes calling and and he's he's a great manager. But we, I don't know, we've seen like what about the, the, what, well, Cleveland. Some guys are really good in the situation they're in, and we don't need to have this conversation now. But like revisionist history tells us that like maybe Bob Melvin was just good in Oakland, and maybe he's not that good of a manager now, right? right so maybe and, San and again, Diego. What if Craig Council goes to San Diego? Yeah, I mean, again, San like, Francisco but, might be looking for. I, although I think Kapler's kind of tied to Farhan Zaidi. Yeah, and I think with that, ro- we talk about that I a know, couple weeks a ago. That Kapler, roster stinks. No, but that yeah. roster stinks. Like that's the, the end of the story. Stinks. Like I don't, I don't think it's, it's. I'm a fan of Kapler. I just don't think that roster is very good. But um, yeah, so I guess New your- York is the only plausible one when you're looking at it. Yeah, so, yeah we'll talk. about I that think in so. Season. Yeah, so. Let's give kind of obviously the Braves and Dodgers are looking like they're going to get a bye. Milwaukee's pretty much all but locked up that three spot. They would be battling it out with the six seed, which is any of Arizona, Chicago, Miami, or Cincy. Philadelphia's locked up that four seed. They'd be battling out with really Arizona um, sitting right now, but Chicago still has a chance to run them down. My question for you, and and I'll kind of take the thunder here, but um, because I. My gut is telling me one thing, and, and I'm going to kind of stick with it. We'll get into like kind of predictions once we get this playoff set in stone. But like when I look at the NL, and, and I'll let you return after this, but I'm, I'm taking the, the team that you would consider your homer. I think the Phillies have the best shot to make a run at it. 
I really, really like this lineup. Trey Turner's hitting about as good as he's hit, you know, this calendar year outside the World Baseball Classic. You're going to be able to stack that. Schwarber's been great in the one hole. He can absolutely challenge a wall. Harper is finally starting to find that power stroke. You start to add in the other pieces that they've obviously had that can hit. That rotation with the top two guys, we've seen them run it into the World Series. And as much as I love the Braves, and and I know that the three run home runs going to win them, but how many run home runs are they going to give up in that in that route there? And I just think when you talk about well rounded team, I I just have a hard time not imagining this Phillies team is not in the best shape to make a run at it with the Morton situation, with the Freed situation, and and just looking at the the team as a whole. Could the Braves bang their way to a World Series? One hundred percent. I would be super fired up because I love that team. I love the way they do things. But at the end of the day, I think being the most well-rounded team, I think it's got to be the Phillies, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. Yeah, it, I, I, you know, things would have been more interesting for me even in that first round if if Arizona had won today, because then they could have set their pitching. Now Gallon Gallon has to go tomorrow, so he wouldn't be available on Tuesday in Game One. If if because he has to you know to pitch them in. Um, that Philadelphia team is built for the playoffs, and you saw it last year. And just like I said, I mean, here is – and people can get mad at me because the 2015 Royals exist, but that team stunk. <laughs> By all intents and purposes, the formula that teams have followed is two starting pitchers, relievers with stuff, guys who can challenge the wall. That's what the Phillies have in droves. I mean, you look at their bullpen, that's what they have. I still think the Braves are the favorite because – one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the experience gained by Spencer Strider last year. You're talking about a team where Cunha wasn't right last year. He's now at an MVP level. You're talking about no Ozzy Albi. I mean, remember? I remember Vaughn Grisham was in that DS playing, starting every game at second base, swinging at anything that was thrown in the direction of home plate. He might have even check swung on pickoff Thursday first. Like he was just hacking, and he was hands you moved. know what I mean. Hands moved, right, right. Like, like, and 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 now that's you replace that with Ozzy Albies, who's been there in one of yeah. the series. Um, Matt Olson's no better this year than he was last. Matt year. Matt Olson's better this year. Uh, sure, Austin Riley didn't do what I expected him to do in the regular season, which is crazy to say because he's had an unbelievable year. Marcelo Zuna's better this year than he was last year. Yeah, uh, Michael Harris now has the experience of, of playing in the postseason the year before. And if I'm going to sit here like I have all year and told Phillies fans that the experience Bauman Stock got was so crucial for this regular season and what's going to happen coming up now in the postseason, I'd, I'd, I'd be an idiot not to say the same thing for Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. And I think that Matt, I really think that matters. I mean, you know, Strider had that start in Philadelphia and it just unraveled on him. Now he was dealing with some injury leading into it too. And I think people like to ignore that fact. So that probably had a little bit with it, but that's huge. If, if Freed's blister is just that, and it's a blister that, that goes away and doesn't come up and, you know, cause the issue is it could come up in the first inning of his first start in the playoffs. Yeah. In trouble. Mm-hmm. But like there's their two guys, their bullpen. I like some other teams bullpens better than theirs, but I, if Freed's healthy, Strider's got the experience. I just don't see how I, I said this last year. I don't see how anyone beats them. And I'll say yeah, it again I, this year and be wrong. I I don't I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on the fact that they're the favorites. I, I definitely I think the way my brain was was more of who has the most question marks or who has the least question marks in, in the NL. And I think as it stands right now, playing good baseball is Philly. It's Philadelphia. Um, and I think that lineup, it's not as good as the Braves, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I still I mean, wish they'd gone back. I'm sure they wish 
mean, at this point, they probably wish they just held on to Bailey Falter with the way that trade deadline had unfolded, but maybe gotten a little bit more aggressive with a right-handed power bat at this point and, and gotten a piece for that. But I just think I, the lineup's good. The rotations, Rangers are yeah. really good three. Like, it, Taiwan Walker's well, there now. Like, it, and they're cr- deep, people, they're, you know. Christopher Sanchez in 100-plus innings this year is pitching to a 3-4. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he looks like – Every, I think everyone in Philly kind of was playing wait and see with him, and he has a like he has an elite changeup. Yeah, like, you could start him. So there's depth there, and then the guys out of the bullpen. I mean, I won't run down all, but like Jeff Hoffman's been a revelation. He's pitching to a sub yeah. sub two five this year, throwing a ninety eight. Greg Soto throws a hundred from the left. Alvarado throws a hundred from the yeah. left. Kimbrel struggled here in September, but he's 96, 97. Uh, and he has a Dominguez, he's have no his pulse is going to be. Right, flat. he's gonna flat off no matter where Sarantia he's at. Dominguez is ninety-eight to hundred. Like they just call up a Ryan Kirkering, who I think they're gonna <laughs> carry on their playoff roster. They should. <laughs> like he's 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 a hundo piece on the right side, and yeah. it's like yeah, like so. Yes, I would agree with you that the team with the least amount of question marks in that NL is is the Phillies, and I hate yeah. saying that as a fan. Yeah. Well, especially in baseball, that's that's a recipe to lose in the first round, yeah. like because yeah. baseball is one hundred percent a crapshoot. You know, you get you get a good start out of Brandon Faft, and next thing you know, you're down one zero and at home, yeah. and and you're pressing, and the, and then the boys don't score till till the sixth inning, and, and you're worried. But let's transition over to the American League when it comes to to question marks. Who's kind of the team that you circle that at least in your mind has the least question marks? Because I look at this, and, and while there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of top-end talent uh, with these teams, I think each and every one of them in their own unique way have have things that worry me at this point in time. Um, you know, obviously Baltimore, we can talk about their pitching till we're blue in the face, but who start, who's their ace? You know, who's their guy that they roll? I, I know Kyle Bradish has had a phenomenal year. He's been, he's been a revelation for them. Um, surprisingly, he was traded for the Manny Machado trade, which is one of my notorious um, examples that I like to use of the don't trade for depth, trade for top end prospects. And, and it looks like the trade for depth paid off. Um, you know, Tampa obviously has the injuries in the rotation. Minnesota, how good actually are they? I mean, they they want to they sleptwalk through a, a bad division, but they have the talent, they have the pitching. Texas doesn't have Degrom and Scherzer. That's kind of what they've built this team around. Houston's bullpen has not been what it, it was last year that they rode. Seattle, obviously, I think talent wise, uh, Seattle and, and Toronto might be the best of the bunch. But Dan, where where who's the team with the least question marks when you outline the American League playoff? This one's not nearly as clear cut as the NL. No. I think I just think that you just hit on all concerns on, on for all these teams, and and I feel kind of. I I don't know because I feel like I I want to say Seattle, but I think Seattle more shapes up like Milwaukee than they do the team with the least amount of question marks. Where it's like I don't you know Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby like just like roll the arms out and they can beat anybody in a short series because that's what they do. The offense has been their Achilles heel all season long, um, so it's not like they're you know they don't quite have the same thump as some of these other teams whereas like you look at texas and you you know if i want to say texas has the least amount of question marks it's like yeah well if scherzer and Degrom were there i think they're the easy answer to this Mm -hmm. but they're not and and the you know i maybe my answer is texas i think bruce bochi deploying their arms the way he has experience doing with the giants might i don't know because there's that 
he also had Madison Bumgarner, who it was just like, just go pitch, dude. Like, whatever. Yeah. Go pitch every day. It doesn't matter. And he doesn't have that. It's weird. Houston, again, like you said, the bullpen question marks, the, the, the starting pitching question marks, frankly. Like, I, I guess I'll say Houston, actually. They, they won the World Series last year. And even though Framber hasn't been great, Javier hasn't been great, Berliner hasn't been great, that's not an easy three to get through. The offense, like, it's a nightmare. Like, Altuve, Tucker, Alvarez, like, that's a nightmare to get through. Chas McCormick's been much better. Bregman can can do what he does um, better than almost anyone, which is, you know, keeping balls fair to the pull side. So I'll say Houston. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, when I, when I think about it, I, I really think it's Toronto. And and I, I don't like their bullpen, but I think their starting rotation is in a very good position to – like. You roll Gaussman out there. Barrios has kind of been a revelation back to to a little bit more of his more productive yeah. time. They have, I mean, I Kikuchi's think Gaussman, yeah, Kikuchi's been really good. I think Gaussman can go toe to toe with any lineup. With I think he's, a, I think he's a genuine ace. I know there's been Me people too. out there that kind of question if he's that true number one, but I, I think he is. I mean, he's punched out twelve per nine this year. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, he should be in rolling, the Cy Young race. People, people are. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Cole, Cole deserves and, it, but for it, sure. It's, but it's I'm just, just saying, it's more of a conversation than people have made yeah, it out to be. Yeah, probably one hundred percent. But so I, I think being able to ride him, but again, how's that bullpen going to stack up? You have a first-time manager who we've seen things speed up on. Is he gonna make? Is he gonna deploy the bullpen the way you know? If they line up against a Kevin Cash-led team, you know, in that first round, like they're lining up to, like, is the game gonna speed up on him? And and Kevin Cash is gonna be sitting there licking his chops when he's able to to deploy his bench pieces and and depth off of that. But you know, I mean, they blew. They I'm blew with that, you on a Seattle. They blew a seven-run lead in 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 the wild card round of Seattle last year. Yeah, so it's not like it hasn't happened in the past, right? right. As well, um, but I'm with you on Seattle. But they might not even get in. Like I, I right. think Seattle might be the best. Like kind of similar to the Phillies, where it's like I trust the most pieces of that of that roster. Um, I think the lineup could turn it. Like if the lineup with Seattle's my only question mark. Like, sorry, you're a hot J Rod from from winning. We just just Hernandez. Yeah, like, like you don't you don't need that. Depth per se, like you need on the like it's not like you can roll or Kevin Gaussman the out there three games, yeah. So and and with that rotation, everything. So I definitely see see where it could come from. But the the AL is going to be a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a five or six seed ends up representing the American League in the in the World Series. I think they Especially they're more the likely to happen. Yeah, it's more likely to happen on that side of the field than it is in the National League, to say the least. Last year we saw the National League team make a run at it. I think this year and, and really in the past couple of years we've seen the National League teams make a run at it. I think it's way more likely to happen in the American League this year where we where we see a low seated representative there but I, I i feel like this is really the more i think about this the more we talk about it, i feel like it really is setting up to be the braves year yeah i mean it's yeah i wouldn't be surprised either i mean obviously like, that think team last year loaded. last year they really had to grind you know i don't know the year before they did too and they won the world series it's weird it's, yeah, it'll be interesting. It is weird. It is weird. And and we'll be keeping an eye on it. We'll get our official predictions out there um, over the next couple of weeks before the wild card series start. But before we get into our last segment, which I'm really excited about, I want to take a second to thank our other sponsor here on the podcast in routine baseball. 
Routine Baseball offers authentic baseball apparel such as t-shirts, shorts, hoodies, and hats. Their products make the perfect gift for any baseball fan. You know, Dan and I here, we're baseball fans. All our listeners here are baseball fans. They would look great in some Routine Baseball swag. Routine Baseball wants to give our listeners 10% off their order. Just head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive 10% off your order. Dan, we're going to play a little fun segment here, and I took it from from good friend of the pod, Colin Cowherd, on on Fox Sports in the morning, um, if you've ever watched The Herd. But for all the things that Colin Cowherd does wrong, um, there was one thing that I always thought was pretty cool that he would do in like a weekly review, and he would do, where was Colin right and where was Colin wrong? So we're going to take back, and, and Dan and I kind of did this off the cuff. Next year, we'll have to take our preseason predictions, put them in a little bit more concrete writing. But we're going to do where were we, right? Where was the backside ground balls, right? And where were we wrong? So we're going to take a little victory lap here. Again, as much of our podcast, I think we need to fluff ourselves a little bit more so the, the public outside can understand the knowledge. We're not just two bozos sitting here on a podcast. So Dan, I'm going to start with the where were we right? And this was one that was consensus. No questions asked. We were adamant about it when everybody thought they were going to win. And we were sitting here in May on social media with people saying, nobody saw this coming. The backside ground ball saw this one coming. The St. Louis Cardinals were not going to make a playoff spot. We didn't think it was a chance. We didn't think they were going to go above 500. We thought that pitching rotation stunk. We thought they couldn't miss any bats, and they did. And that lineup couldn't carry them, and that lineup didn't carry them like they did last year. And we absolutely nailed the St. Louis Cardinals not being good. I was not even an ounce surprised any time I looked to check the box score or the standings and saw them losing. No, really, really, really bad pitching. I mean, it's one thing to sit here and ask questions of who the third starter in a playoff rotation is going to be because it's going to be more serious. But when you don't know who your third guy you're rolling out there is for 162-game slate, you put together a terrible roster. And like you said, guys who couldn't miss bats. I mean, it was kind of sad watching Adam Wainwright this year. It was not the pool holes-like send-off that they got. The Cardinal Magic ran out. And I think I can lead back to when the Cardinal Magic stopped going, and that was the second they hired Ali Marmol, and they fired Mike Schilt because Mike Schilt was trying to do things a little more progressive than the organization liked. That's from sources. Don't quote. I don't know if that's 100% accurate. That's what I've been told personally. We'll see. Um, I don't like Ali Marmol. So now you're going in here with no, no pitching. I don't and you're gonna have Come to on get now. Create, you're going to have to get creative with – with how you're going to manage 162 with the pitching staff they did, and you have a guy who I don't think is capable of doing it. Um, that's not for me to sit here and say that I could ever do it. But I, I, I bad manager, bad pitching staff. It bad was, roster. It was just, yeah, bad it, roster it construction. I think it was, it was completely obvious. obvious. Yeah. Um, so we'll go – we'll transition. We're not just going to go all positive here. We'll try to end on a high note of where we were wrong. Several points, and even throughout the season, Dan and I had talked about this, and and when was the Magic going to run out? And quite frankly, as we sit today, and they're currently locked up, the or pretty darn close to locking up the one seed in the American League, sitting at 99 wins with a weekend to go, we were wrong about the Baltimore Orioles. Not that we didn't think they were good. Not that we didn't think their pieces were good. Not that we didn't think they had a chance to push for a playoff spot. 
We just thought that it wasn't going to be this year. It was going to be next. The Orioles sat and they proved us wrong on the pace to 99 wins. And, and really, it was never in question. It was it was from front end of the season to the back end, pole to pole. They they were start to finish in the, in the lead position. It felt like outside of the race, hot stretch to start the year. But we kept coming back to the fact that they did they have enough pitching? Did they have enough pitching? It's the same reason we weren't high on the Cardinals. But when you're a progressive organization who's able to at least understand ways to maximize guys' potential, you can kind of outweigh the fact that you don't have good pitching. And we've seen it with the Orioles. The offense was better than I gave. I thought they would be. I mean, you had guys, Ryan O'Hearn came out of nowhere. Um, Austin Hayes had a great year, not to mention the fact that Gunnar Henderson should win Rookie of the Year. Adley Rutschman's been arguably the most valuable player in baseball in terms of team's record since the day he's debuted. Um, and just they're the fun loving O's and they look like the future is just beginning for them. And, and it's, it's been super fun to watch and, and we missed on that one. Just real quick. You'll get a chuckle out of this. I had an Orioles fan. I was down in South Carolina last weekend. I had an Orioles fan um, say to me that they weren't sold on Adley Rutschman. <laughs> Mm, I didn't. Okay. I didn't really have a response. I kind of just saw my way out of the conversation. Yeah, I was like, "You're not sold on. What do you need to see? Yeah. <laughs> what, else, what else can the guys argue? I mean, Will Smith's probably the best catcher in baseball right now or this year. Adley's a close second, in my opinion. I mean, you could argue not Adley's first. the most important. Yeah, for sure. I, I'd like, for sure. Nobody like, has made it. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, yeah, the Orioles. We were we were wrong. Um. Uh, when was the magic going to run out? I, I, here's the exciting thing for Orioles fans, because I think this is where we were wrong about their 2023 season. I think we both agree they are in tremendous shape moving shape, forward. Yeah. This is an organization that I think is going to get better. Maybe not win 100 games every year, but they're going to be in the playoffs every year. They're going to have multiple swings at a World Series. Um, Autry family, I'm sorry, but. I think the magic's going to run out in the playoffs. I'm, I'm going to double. I'm a bad gambler, so I'm yeah, going to double down. down. Keep doing it. Let's go. <laughs> like, I don't, Lose to the, I don't like, to the World Series. I don't like them in the playoffs, uh, especially no, if, like, you know. I, if, I'm if not Houston's making our official sli- if predictions. If Houston's sitting in the six, well, I'll do it in the playoff preview, but if Houston's sitting in the yeah. six, and they, here here come the Astros in the, in the, in the ALDS, like, your season's over, but I love Camden uh, Yards when it when a playoff series oh, comes sure. in. That Delman and, Young, I got yeah, uh, I got to see Bob Walter at the coaches convention in twenty twenty, I think, right before COVID. And he was mm-hmm. just talking about managing a clubhouse and stuff like that. And he played the inning and walked us through all the decisions and everything that had uh, led to that Delman Young glorious. double down the line. Like I, that place was rocking, oh, rocking. Good Rocket. friend of the pod, uh, Mike Payton, was at that game. Uh, Mike fun, Payton was. Yeah, sorry to Mike Payton. Nugget there. Continue to double down um, and say that their yeah. magic runs out. The, the <laughs> fact that we have Orioles listeners, my brother included, that and my brother, I mean, he asked me. It was like, you guys are haters. And I was like, I just, I gave him my reasons why. That but was probably not, in May. We were haters and he, for this year. The we best not, thing about it. that organization. Yeah, Let's make 100%. That the best thing about it is Orioles fans have never thrown it back in their our face. They just let us keep saying it and they keep winning and they're not petty like other organizations I, I other I've organizations a, we we get chirped at i think i've gotten a text or two from the elder altry son i think well, that's fair the course but, of this year but you know, that's it's okay that happens all right let's head back over to to where we were right and this one's going to be a little bit smaller this was a little nitty-gritty backside ground balls top but Kind of on the Cubs. And the reason I say that is because Dan and I had this conversation verbatim because I remember talking about it. 
if this team needed a superstar, right, was what we felt. It was very good around the edges, Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ, all these guys that are just good, valuable pieces. If Cody Bellinger can return to MVP production, this team will make the playoffs. That was the only avenue that we saw it happening. I feel like that's the analysis that baseball fans need more is the fact that somebody can say things like that and actually identify it. And then it come to fruition, which was pretty cool to see, obviously. And then Seiya Suzuki's had a great second half and and it's been really hot. I know he dropped that fly ball against Atlanta, which hopefully the Cubs can hold on to a playoff spot because if they don't, that might go down as as Bartman level level drama there. But – we said that the only way this team had a path to the playoffs was if they could get MVP form from either one of Seiya Suzuki or Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger rolled this year, 900 OPS, 20 home runs, 20 plus steals, um, over 300, played elite defense in center field, huge piece for them. And and I, I, I just want to fluff ourselves for, for kind of that deep nitty gritty analysis and, and nailing it. Yeah. Um, this one isn't too big of a, a, a pat on the back because I think we thought there were a lot. And, and what's funny, actually, we were right because I think our question marks surrounded like a lot of what you're seeing now, and, and that's the Cubs pitching isn't very good. And we were like, this team has pieces, and they're they're this is probably a year too early for them. Now, some of the other teams being good and the NL, you know, kind of falling flat on their faces has allowed them to open this door, but them not being able to to kind of hold on to this playoff spot in September as they're watching it slip away is the fact that their pitching hasn't been very good. Um, so, you know, whether it's bullpen or starting pitching. Um, yeah. So I, we were right. I think you're, you're spot on. Bellinger has been unbelievable and they're struggling to, to get in here because their pitching has let them down. And those are kind of all the things that we hit on. So, yeah, good yeah. stuff us. All right, so we're going to head back to Here you go. Breaking news. The Orioles are your 2023 AL East champions. They just won their 100th game. Jeez, look at us. They they must have known we were talking about them because they're, they're just dancing on our graves while we dig in on our on our where were we wrong take, and, and maybe we'll continue to be wrong with them. As we go back to the other side of where we were wrong, uh, the Miami Marlins, again, one another one that we dug in multiple times throughout the year. Again, they haven't exactly been this phenomenal team. They've kind of been led on pitching and defense. They still have a billion second basemen. Uh, they had to get rid of one of them to move them for a, a corner infielder like everybody probably knew they were going to have to do um, at any point in the season. Um, But we were not high on the Marlins to say the least. Obviously we liked their pitching. Everybody liked their pitching, but lineup wise, we were not high on the the Luis Arias move. We were completely wrong about that. He was very productive this year. Sue me when I'm sitting at the Salem witch trials and everybody's trying to hunt me down when I'm standing there banging my drum of he won't hit 300 again this year. And I'm, I'm setting the line at 300 next year. Um, so everybody's <laughs> going to be hunting me down. Um, but we were wrong about that. I think again, where we, where we didn't understand was, was Jorge Soler going to be as good as he was, was Jake Berger going to be a deadline acquisition that they were going to be able to haul in. Those guys have kind of changed the dynamic of that roster, but Marlins were better than we gave them credit for. So we were wrong there. I plead the fifth. No, yeah, I, I got nothing. I mean, they, they let's, tra- they, let's trans- transition back into the more positive things. And we're going to go, where were we right? Dan, what happens when you sign two 39-year-old, 40-year-old starting pitchers? <laughs> they both end up on the IL. I don't know. Scherzer might not pitch in the playoffs like with the Rangers, with a different organization. Still, 
a lot. A lot could go wrong, right? A lot. How and about an most eight time, year? How about an eight year, two hundred million dollar contract for a center fielder that's just okay? Yeah, spending <laughs> stupid money. Um, and at the end of the day, I actually texted this to somebody. I believe it was yesterday. I said, "You told me before the year that Sanga punches out three hundred and probably finishes in the top two to three of the Cy Young." No, movie. they didn't say three hundred. Two hundred. Oh, what? I said three hundred. I said three hundred. I said no. I said. Oh, I, oh, I'm oh, 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 Sanga yeah. punches out two hundred. Sorry, two hundred. Lindor goes thirty thirty. Alonzo hits fifty pumps. How many wins you tell me that team has? Me or someone else? Yeah, just me, within reason. Like, ah, like look at 86, if, 87. If you're getting that production out yeah, of those three guys. Yeah, you'd think they had guys. a pretty good year. You'd think you'd, it would be better than 95, the 95 plus, yeah. 95 hey, plus me, wins. But, the, but neither one of us like the, the edges of the roster were so No, they were bad. rough. Again, I get that. But I'm just Daniel, saying. I knew Daniel Vogelbach wouldn't be good. <laughs> they got – the production from the guys that you would need to get production from from that standpoint. And Sango was the main question mark, and we love that offseason deal. So fluff us again where where we were right on that. We love the Sanga deal, hated the Verlander deal. One's pitching and competing for an NL Cy Young and looks like the future AC your staff and the others in Houston right now while you're paying him to to get prospects in return. So we were definitely right about the Mets. Um I don't think we thought that they were going to plummet the way they did. We still thought they would be a playoff team. I'm sure if you go back and watch the episodes, we probably thought they were going to finish second or maybe third. I think we both thought the Phillies and Braves were better roster-wise, but we definitely were on the fact that they weren't weren't going to be the best team in the NL East. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think – I think we probably had them as wild card team. I knew I don't think either one of us thought they would win the division. Um we didn't like a lot of the moves they made and we were right about all the moves that we didn't like. I mean, we also sat here and told people that Jeff McNeil won't win the batting title. Yeah. Well, he's probably he I mean he had a bad year hitting two seventy this year and, and Mets fans are trying to figure out what happened. I I don't know. Check out the backside ground ball balls defender. podcast on a weekly <laughs> basis and you might find out why he isn't hitting as well this year. Um <laughs> We'll go back to where we were wrong. We got a couple more here on both ends here. The other disappointing team in the National League, and I think this is MLB-wide, so we don't even need to go too much in detail. It's more the pod. It's not our fault, okay? It's not our fault. It's the Padres' fault. It's Bob Melvin's fault. It's A.J. Preller's fault. It's Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, all of your faults, even though you were individually pretty productive players. It's not our fault that we were wrong on this one. So I'm not even going to take responsibility here. The MLB fans were wrong across the board. I don't think if you told anybody before the season that you didn't think the Padres were going to be any good, you would have been crazy. This lineup is stocked and loaded. They had young talent. They have top-of-the-end talent. They had pitching talent, I think, that everybody was wrong about that. I don't know if you have anything to fill in, but we definitely thought the Padres were going to be good. I probably said they were going to win the NL West, which I truly believe any team that has Juan Soto has my heart. So um, that's a tough one to to swallow a little bit there, but um, we were definitely wrong about the Padres. Yeah, I need we say more. Yeah. So let's go back to where we were right again. We'll stay on the, the positive train. It's a lot more fun to talk about these things. 
the Milwaukee Brewers, and this one's still kind of running a little bit here. Um, I think Dan and I, when we talked about it again, kind of went hand in hand with our Cardinals take. We thought the Brewers were the best team by a lot in the NL Central, and I think it's come to fruition. They haven't exactly run away with it. Peralta was banged up for times. Burns dealt with some inconsistency. Woodruff was out for a long extended period of time. They still ended up winning 90 games and leading the Cubs by seven and a half. We were adamant about the fact that this was the best team in the NL Central. We were adamant about the fact that we didn't really believe it was close, and that came to fruition, and they didn't even have as good of a year as you would have expected. This team with a healthy Brandon Woodruff, a consistent Burns, and a consistent Freddie Peralta with that bullpen probably is close to winning 100 games, and we would have been completely hitting the nail on the head when they were running away with the the NL Central by mid-July, late June. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that no one – I mean, I wouldn't want to see those three in the playoffs. I said it earlier in the show. I mean, we've been saying it all year. That, that rotation is ridiculous. Um, it's a shame might, what might happen in the offseason over there. You already lose yeah, Stearns. Well, you might lose Council. You might lose Burns. But that team – I mean, this team – this watch out, people. No one's talking about them. Yeah. I, like, blinking, they're going to be in the NLCS. 100% they can. Again, we're going to go back to where we were wrong. Last one here on each end of these. The New York Yankees. Um, I think we probably both had them winning the NL East um, or AL East, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. I know I probably had them. I don't know if anybody on this podcast didn't have them. It was you. Um, so I'll take the blame for that one. But New York Yankees. Injuries happened. Obviously, roster underperformed across the board where we were right. <laughs> Anthony Volpe. <laughs> um, sorry to throw that one out there to our Yankees fans out there, but we were right about that one. We got to take credit where credit's due. Um, lineup just didn't perform as well as you'd hope. Losing Judge was the killer. I mean, that was the different. Why'd they not completely plummet out of a playoff spot last year? Judge played 162, hit 62 bombs. This year he was on pace to hit just as many homers. He didn't play 162. That's the difference in the Yankees season. Garrett Cole was better than he's ever been in a Yankee uniform, better as good as he's been since that stretch in in Houston, which I saw the numbers the other day. It was like, remember that stretch, including the playoffs where it was like he was 25 and 0 with a 0.89 ERA and 350 strikeouts to 25 walks. It's like, what? It's best. It wasn't that Garrett Cole that we saw, but and remember, he lost the Cy Young that year. Um, for anybody who's keeping count, the Justin Verlander fan club across MLB voters will always be alive and well. Um, but Garrett Cole somehow lost the Cy Young that year. But we were wrong about the Yankees; they were not as good. Montas did not come back and pitch at all. He might pitch this weekend. Watch out for that one. He's probably going to be in pinstripes next year. Um, Cortez got hurt. It just was a bad year for New York. Yeah, I uh, um, judge for 162, healthy Nestor, healthy Carlos Rodon, this team's in the playoffs. And that's crazy mm-hmm. to say because you would have thought by the way that their fans are because the expectation when you put on the pinstripes is a World Series or nothing. This team's probably a wild card team. And, Which um, sucks. I hate that. We'll have an off-season I, episode I about that. Talked I, my, I Another conversation I had this weekend, I talked myself into – putting in a futures as soon as it opens up for the Yankees to win next year's World Series. I, I, again, I, I would so, not like... And I'm so the, serious. I'm Cole, Nestor, Verdone, Montas healthy. I think Montas is going to be moves, back. A couple, he's like, a free agent, but I think he's going to be back. I, I think they'd probably trade for Juan Soto. Like, 
Rizzo doesn't have a concussion. Volpe's going to be better in year two. Dominguez potentially comes back. Faber had a phenomenal year. Gla- phenomenal Gla- year. Like, you really only have one deadweight guy in LeMahieu, which the rest of the team can carry. Like, they stay healthy next year. I'm telling you. I've talked myself into it already. Well, and this is the other thing. We're not we're not going to go talking Yanks here. Um, but the one thing, too, that I've seen a lot of is people saying cut bait with Giancarlo. And I get the desire oh, to want to off, offload Giancarlo. But this is kind of the, the age-old example that we talk about, right? Um, it, it, it's very common in fantasy baseball, at least the way I operate, is like kind of that return to form by low opportunity of like, what is the risk of keep – like you're paying him no matter what. What is the risk of keeping that guy on your roster and hoping that he turns the clock back and figures it out? Because who's to say a full offseason gets him healthy? He's never going to play 162. He's never going to hit 50 home runs again. But he still has the potential. He still shows bat speed. He leads the league in bat speed. I think his average is 77 miles per hour, which is just bonkers to think about. Why Why would you cut bait with that guy? And not that they're going to, but their fans, of course, want want them to. But you literally have the opportunity of a guy with zero value to bring back some return. Like you're in a lose, you're in a win-win situation at that point. If you bring him back and he's good, if you bring him back and he's the same guy, you're still paying him. Like you might as well keep him there because nobody has that high of a ceiling that that they could go fill that roster spot with. You know, even if he's, he's just not, a pinch he's not a bad clubhouse guy. No, exactly. Obviously. Um, so, all right, Dan. That that's our. We'll finish it off with. And we've been right on this one since I remember there was a series that um, backside ground balls listeners from day one might remember this. And the Mets won a series against the Braves in the 2022 season. We've been bagging the table about this since then. We got a lot of texts that said season's over, Mets (laughs) cash, Mets locked up the East, best team in baseball. A lot of high Mets fans. And we sat on here. And I believe on that episode alone, we took our comeuppets, man. Then we sat here and and we said we were wrong. Mets did it. They did it to us 100%. The season's nope. not over. <laughs> but the season's not over was our caveat the whole time. The season is not over. Is not over. It was on August 8th, 2022, we published the We Love Up on the Mets We've episode. We've even done an episode this year where we, we said the records of both teams since that series, I think. Since that series. <laughs> guess who's sitting here on September 28th, 2023? With the best offense of all time. Right? Oh, I'm not even talking about the Braves. I'm talking about oh. Dan and Trevor. <laughs> right? Accurate. On the head. Here to absolutely throw it back in everybody's face. That this one was easy, absolute, though. <laughs> this was the easiest one in the books. The Atlanta Braves, not only coming into the year, not even at that point last year did we say this is the most talented roster in baseball. Not only coming into the year did we say that this is the most talented roster in baseball. They turned around and they became the best roster in baseball. They've, they're about to break the record for most home runs in a season. The lineup is absolutely elite. Everything about this team, everything they do is right. And we had to sit here and take it on the chin on August 8th and publish that episode where we said we were completely wrong and the Mets are great, yada, yada, yada. But the season's not over. And as it stands right now, I'm never going to live that one down. Let anybody who listened to that episode live that one down because the Braves look like the best team in baseball. They have been since that day. No questions asked. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just nailed. You just said everything that that I could say. This is, and they should win the World Series this year. The Braves are unbelievable. It was easy to see. This roster is ridiculous, and they're all signed through like twenty twenty seven at the least. Uh, it's they're not going away. Dude, so I, anyone I'm take, who hates the Braves just mm-hmm. grin and bear because you got get, about get ready eight for more it. years of this. Yeah, I'm taking a 400-meter lap after I just won the gold medal right here because that was a victory lap if I've ever had one, and we're going to keep it coming. Next year, if they if this if this trend happens and the Braves go in 100 games next year and the, the going team in to. New York. I'll sit here next year and tell you – I will say it now. You don't even have to listen in March. The Braves are going to win the NL East next year. The Mets aren't. Yeah. Anyone well, who needs to hear that, there you go. Yeah. Well, things happen, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself I, right I there. Will, but <laughs> I don't care. I'll six months out say it. All right, Dan. So we're going to run through these. Uh, these were our prop bets at the beginning of the year. I'm just going to run through the the winners, the losers, um, and then kind of talk about – give you an opportunity to just kind of quickly cover how we're feeling about some of the ones that are still in tow um, and where we might have went wrong. So, Dan, for your season win totals, you went 3-0. and Actually, no, not three and zero yet. Not three and zero yet. Sorry, we have one that's still in play here. Um, we have Seattle over eighty six and a half. They got to win two we games. Split. This week. We got to split. They got to split as this they're September fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. So Dan, as of right now, is two zero and one. He technically has that is not a loss yet, but it's going to be on the on the edges there. He had the Mets under 94 and a half. Ka-ching. Cardinals under 88 and a half. Ka-ching. I think both you and I would have doubled down on those if, if we could have picked each other's picks at this point. Me, I went two and one. Minnesota over 84 and a half. Ka-ching. D-backs running away with the 74 and a half. Ka-ching. And the hill that I died on. Was this was a one. sweater too for a while. It was a sweater. We knew it was going to be a sweater. They started to play good baseball midway through the year. At, at the end of June, it looked like a lock. When the D-backs yeah. were in first, it looked like a lock. Then they played good baseball. Then they had a bad stretch. Then they played good baseball and they cashed it. The Dodgers under 96 and a half. Where I was wrong on that bet was not taking the Yankees under whatever their win total was. I, I remember saying it. One of these teams is going under. I believe it was the Yankees and Dodgers. It might have been the Astros and Dodgers. I picked the wrong side. I don't know why. Obviously, with the moves, it makes sense. But ah, Vegas what is pretty good. Vegas is pretty good. They're off by 19 games with the Cardinals and 23 with the Mets. Yeah, coaching, coaching. <laughs> People need to take tail it to us. the bank, boys. Yeah, take it to the bank. I know those unders. You can't go claim them down at down at a uh, Delaware Park yet, but because um, you got to wait till the season ends. But those are going to cash and and the overs for Minnesota and and D backs. We took the D backs one in. We took that one home a couple weeks ago. We were we were rolling into the back with that ticket. So. Uh, now we'll go into this one will kind of need a little bit of still uh, evaluation of the future. We have our World Series picks, our best bets here. Uh, Dan had the Dodgers at plus 800, Mariners at plus 2,000, and the Rays at plus 2,000. Dan, which one are you feeling the best about there and, and kind of which one do you think has the best chance of happening? Mm, Dodgers, I guess. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't think they have the pitching to do it. I think they probably lose in the DS to the Brewers, but. Dodgers, I think, or the Rays. Yeah. 
Mariners Man. don't. Uh, they might not even get in here. Yeah, right. But if they do get I doubled, in, that, I was that, high on the Mariners, if anyone can't tell. Yeah, no doubt. I had the Blue Jays at plus 1,200, Braves at plus 800, and Brewers at plus 4,000. Um, so <laughs> all of those are still in play, quite frankly. I think I have a good chance of cashing at least one of these tickets. We might take this one to the bank. The Braves at plus 800. Whew, Man, does that one feel good <laughs> to have that one in your back pocket? What? I would love to know what the current odds are on the Braves of the World Series. Um, Brewers at plus 4,000 right now. I'm sure that is probably a completely 360 from that number. So, I mean, I'm happy with all three of these tickets right now. I feel like I'm pretty in a pretty comfortable and confident position to to cash any one of those. But, man, that Braves at, at eight plus 800 ticket, it, that looks good right now. So, uh, I'm sure that – those odds look plus pretty. Plus 250, the Atlanta Braves yeah, to win the that. World what Series. What about the Brewers? What do we got for the Brewers, too? Plus 2,100. So still about half of that. Yeah, that's pretty good. So um, let's head over to the MVPs, Dan. In the AL, you had Jordan Alvarez. And in the NL, you had Austin Riley. I want to preface this because I, I know I'm going to have to get to it in my stance when I take it um, for my AL MVP. But we said on that podcast – if you want to make money, just pick Shohei Otani. Yeah. Let's get that out there. But how do you feel about your MVPs and, and where do they maybe go wrong? Jordan didn't stay healthy and Austin Riley shares a field with Ronald Acuna. Bingo. Um, for mine, I had American League, Corey Seager at plus 2,000 and National League, Tatis at plus 1,400. Seager probably wins the MVP if Shohei Otani wasn't an alien. Uh, he's had a great year, 350. I mean, Dan and I, that could be another where we were right segment. Um, we were all over Seager having a great year. The power ticked up. The average stayed consistent, if not ticked up a little bit, 350 with 30 pumps, missing time. Unbelievable season. I mean, just whew, what what it must feel like to have that guy in, in Rangers colors for the rest of his career because he's a stud. And Tatis, I mean, obviously – Acuna had the the Acuna like year and and forty seven he's going to be tough to beat and Mookie had a great year but I probably was a year early I think Tatis we saw this with a couple guys that have come back from these injuries uh, year one I mean Acuna was a great example year one's always that struggle year what's year two going to look like I think Tatis I might double down with an MVP next year I think there's a good chance that that he could put himself in in forty seventy territory quite frankly if he wanted to uh, just just depends on on what his level of of commitment to the stolen base is but Dan we'll trend into the Cy Youngs here your your American League one doesn't look bad here we had Luis Castillo um but then the National League kind of takes a turn for the worst we have Julio Arias and Max Freed uh you took both of them you want you wanted a little piece of action on both of those um those odds were pretty good there what are, what are your kind of thoughts there look Luis Castillo has 215 strikeouts and a 3-2 ERA I'm yeah. not mad at that pick at all. He's in the conversation. The process was right. Yep. Yeah. Like uh, nothing went wrong there. Um, my only Cy Young pick in the NL, Max Fried, <laughs> just didn't have as good of a year as I thought he would. Although, I don't know with the correctional. I don't know how soon you have to get into the correctional league for you to win a Cy Young. But Arias in the correctional league. Might be a bet. He's got a shot. He's got a shot. Mine, um, 
And, and I guess Arias was bad before the 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 problems anyway. So like yeah. that was just that one was a tough all one year, overall. Hit the yeah, missed eight so everything yeah. was going on. Yeah. Mine in the American League, Christian Javier obviously must have felt the wear and tear of a World Series run because he has just not been himself. Missing swings and misses, just not very good at plus two thousand. National League, Zach Wheeler ended up leading the National League. Not that war even matters at any point, but leading the National League and wins above replacement, over 200 strikeouts. Uh, had a great year, just the ERA didn't match the production necessarily. But, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily kind of like your Luis Castillo uh, bet there. Process I, I was right. Yeah. yeah, I don't exactly hate the being on the Wheeler side there. Just Blake Snell had a great second half and and was, was Houdini at times. Uh, so as we go into the Rookie of the Year, this one will be kind of fun here. Uh, for Dan, we have American League, Grayson Rodriguez, who – if it wasn't for being sent down to the minors, if he could have just done that for the whole year, he probably would have been in a good position to win with his teammate Gunnar Henderson. And then in the National League, you had Kodai Senga. I mean, I think process-wise, both those are pretty good picks, but what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean the, the the start for Grayson was tough. He's been electric since he came back, and, and I don't know why. I mean, Corbin Carroll's been unbelievable. That was kind of the obvious pick. I think we even mentioned that. Well, just like Otani, we were like Corbin Carroll. I probably did money. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm, I'm an anti. I'm a hater, but that's fine. But yeah, Senga, Senga should be a finalist. Mm-hmm. He's been really good. I think he should finish second. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know Corbin Carroll's stats off the top of my head, but I know he hasn't been phenomenal in the second half. So don't. I wouldn't be shocked if, if Senga, if we look back at it when we start to evaluate these guys, actually has a chance to win. Uh, you know, I think Gold Glove center field from Corbin or Gold Glove right field. He plays a lot of corner left. there. Um, left. Um, obviously has a piece in that, but, you know, I mean, we stolen bases are up, so maybe we'll get, we'll knock that. For mine, um, we had one, probably the worst pick on the board was uh, Hayden Wesnecki. Um, and we'll just kind of get that one out of the way. But Masataka Yoshida was a good pick. He kind of fell off at the the second half there, but put up respectable numbers, kind of like Senga. But Senga was definitely a little bit more productive and a little bit closer to winning that. So let's go into our prop bets here. Um, Dan in his prop bets on the whole was four and three. So if anybody kind of hightailed Dan there, they would have made a little bit of cash here. He had Tucker over 32 and a half. He finished with 29. Jose Ramirez over 29 and a half. He finished with 24. Yelich over 16 and a half home runs. He has 18 as of right now. And obviously Tucker and Ramirez could get hot this week. You never know. Five pumps, three, four pumps from, from Tucker, baby. You know, Astros pushing playoffs. Huh? Hunter Renfro under 29. He's sitting at 20 right now. Wheeler over 180 and a half K's. He crushed that one. And same with Luis Castillo over 183 and a half K's. The stinker here was Dylan Cease under 3.43. Dan, where, how are you feeling about those? Obviously, uh, some good evaluation there from you. Yeah, four and three. You made money. Yeah, exactly. Good day. Good day at the, at the booth, right? And then on to my prop bets as we close this thing out. I had Corey Seeger over 25 and a half. Ka-ching. Spencer Torkelson, somebody should have got me. We need me to on get the, the we need to get line. the ching but we need a ching yeah. sound. We need a soundboard. <laughs> um, Spencer Torkelson over sixteen and a half. He finishes with well, as of right now, what does he have? Twenty nine or thirty? Free almost 29. doubled it. We needed an alt line spread on that one. Getting Spencer Torkelson at twenty over twenty five and a half. Ka-ching, cha-ching. 
Hunter Green over 189 and a half Ks. That was a toughie. Um, he obviously missed some time with some injuries. He punched out 146. He was definitely on pace to push 190. Um, if he would have even gotten, I mean, at this point, 20 more innings for him, uh, he could easily doubled that or, or doubled his inning total there. Um, the easy one was Sandy Alcantara under 195.5. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but when you're laying 195 and a half Ks from a guy who pitched 230 innings the year before, and we talk about how fragile these elbows are, I'm sorry. He's not getting through the stretch run marathon that that was, and that's what happened. Another stinker here, Chris Sale under 30, 3.48 ERA. Obviously, he had some injuries here and there. He looked like he was turning a corner, um, but – kind of fell apart on him but then ultimately between the two of us seven and five people would have made some money you'd have a shot at some world series picks you would have only lost two win totals i mean people got to start donating mariners might get there yeah mariners we could be in a good position there with the mariners if you just i mean when i said dodgers under 96 and a half everybody probably laughed at me anyway so you probably didn't even, you probably faded that pick anyway um so we're we're good to go the listeners should be out there they should be heading over to our friends over at SeatGeek routine baseball checking their stuff out and, and using that money that we want you guys to to get some some apparel and some tickets yeah i mean look if you don't like making money don't listen but yeah, exactly. That's what we're all about. Dan, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, the Padres might be eliminated by the time you all listen to this, thankfully. Are they down right now? No, Marlins just tied it in the nine. So Marlins win eliminates the uh, Padres here. The Edwin Diaz injury strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all about the Mets, man. It's not. <laughs> they were trying to close this game out with Anthony K. I mean, come on now. Like, what, what are we doing? We got, we got patchwork going around. Bullpens are important. Relievers are replaceable. Reliever, yeah, but that's where the season went wrong is they're trying to patchwork it out here with Anthony well, K. If you, listen, if you listen to the athletic article, Buck Walter said that's when he knew. Stop, Buck. No, you didn't. You're a liar. You're a liar, man. See you at ABCA next year let's, when Craig Council's get... coaching in, in blue and orange, man. Let's get we're, out of here. We're, we're in an hour 30 here. We're getting personal. Sorry, Buck. You always have an invite on this podcast, but you didn't know on that day. You still believed. But thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes weekly. Hit always hit in your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. Most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.